Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. What is going on, Chelsea fans? Welcome back. Another episode of the London Is Blue podcast. Per usual, my name is Brandon, your host. And joining me as always is Dan, uh, but no Nick. Nick ran off to Vegas for the weekend, Dan, and left us here behind the mics living out our wildest dreams. Well, he goes ahead and shaves his beard, which was well documented on his Instagram stories. And then it's completely a different person. It's almost like the beard was the symbiote kind of controlling his brain, and I really just don't understand who he is anymore. Well, you know how much he likes to talk crap about when we don't show up. Um, You had plenty of excuses, about 7,000 miles worth of them, as you drove almost another halfway across the country, but yet here you are. Well, you know, no days off. You know, it's the mantra of the Patriots. You know, it's just a, a really good philosophy that I try to ascribe to Brandon. And, you know, I'm, uh, I'm glad uh, Mike was able to join us, too, which is always a good pleasure. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here, show up on, like, Mr. Verlaney. And uh, I have not forsaken my beard, and I will not be doing so any, anytime soon. Uh, I prefer not to The get, world thanks you. Yeah, I prefer not to get carted at bars, so... <laughs> That literally happened to him. He said the first place he walked in, not his group, just him. But hey, 
that is the life that he chose. Uh, but anyways, as we roll into this, uh, we do have some more iTunes reviews. Dan always warms my heart to see these. Yeah, we had Eric from New Jersey. Kaz with a long string of letters basically looks like it was just a random tapping of the keyboard. So that might have been a robot. I don't know. And uh, Beardo. And yeah, so three five-star iTunes reviews. Really appreciate those. There was a question from the wonderful Eric from New Jersey asking Nick to grade the best beard in the Chelsea lineup right now, which would be between Rudiger, Willie Caballero, and Giroux. But because Nick isn't here, I think we have to defer to Mike and give him, as the beard master right now, the opportunity to weigh in on that. What a layup. Yeah, you know, no offense to Willie because I think it's a pretty great one. I think you got to go Giroux. You know, it's it's just sexy. And uh, Dark Horse, I mean, I, I always love seeing the uh, the chin strap beard from uh, Hazard because I, I think I don't think he can connect the mustache to the the rest of his That's beard. So gross. <laughs> well, you know, Will the only the only Will will get honorable mention because if you can grow that much hair in your face but not on top of your head, I mean, he's just proven that he's still got something left. You know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for those reviews. Unfortunately, no Patreon members have joined this month. Uh, but if you do want to have a shout out and also your questions answered in part two, just got to join the Patreon train. Um, all right. Well, before we get into the match review, Dan is going to be taking over promo break one duties. Dan, what do we got for him? Wow. Re- read it right from the script, Brandon. Yeah. It's a really interesting layup there. Appreciate that. So yeah, we just would ask, if you have not yet, uh, make sure that you're following us across all those wonderful social media platforms. We've got a Twitter account, which is there for the gifts and the laughs. We have an Instagram account, which is there for Mike's wonderful edits on photos and some of the great photos we get from our friend Chris Axon. And then we also have a Facebook, too, which is there for thumbs up and likes. So make sure you're following London Bupat on all wonderful platforms. Ugo. And now I think we should talk about the match. All right, Ugo and Reed will take care of you on Facebook. I promise that. All right, guys, here we go. It was Crystal Palace match review time in the Premier League at Stamford Bridge this past Sunday, November 4th. Blues 3, Eagles 1, in case you missed it. And we did have two correct sport score predictions coming from Instagram today. Uh, Kenneth G underscore GL and A underscore Eyesworth. Congrats to you two. Uh, also, correct score prediction, <laughs> myself. So there's that. Uh, special shout out to Orion, Mike's kid, who probably doesn't listen, but also nailed it. Yeah. He's three, and he always chooses three goals, but he was spot on today. Well, did you do the three fingers up in the air? The the the, 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 the new Mourinho thing, which no. I think is really funny that we've had so many wonderful like photos of our players now with three fingers up. Whether it's the Hubolt ad where they have the three fingers up with the three hours ago tweet, uh, Fran Kirby had the one when she had the hat trick. Uh, Ross Barkley had his three goals over three games with three fingers up. Loftus Cheek had his over the hat trick. I don't know. If the Chelsea Twitter admin is kind of going for that slight shade, but it seems to be, you know, something that people are connecting the dots between right now. <laughs> Good for them. Maybe a little too much true detective. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, probably, you know, because those are very obvious reasons why you'd be holding them up. It's not like they're sliding them in like, hey, great game today. Three, you know, it's, it's <laughs> natural. It makes sense. 
All right. Well, lineup time. Dan will go ahead and let you run us through this one. Uh, back to the typical 4-3-3 for Maurizio, a.k.a. never switches. A uh, couple changes, though, as we've been seeing lately. Yeah, rotation one, you have 3.14 pie games per week from the middle of October through the, you know, kind of beginning of December. Makes a lot of sense. Keppa comes back in after Willie had the chance to be between the sticks during the midweek match. Rudiger, Alonzo, Azpilicueta, Dava Luis come in as the back four, so a four-person swap from the midweek so Jorginho, Conte, and Ross Barkley continuing uh, the opportunity for Ross the boss to get some starts in midfield. Then Pedro back in the starting 11, which is a wonderful sight to see. William and Morata Hazard comes in from the bench along with Kovacic. That was a double swap. And then we also saw a appearance from Cesc Fabregas, Gary Cahill, Zabacosta, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and Willie Caballero were the unused subs on the bench today. But, uh, you know, Brandon, I, I didn't think it was many surprises. You know, sorry had talked about in the press conference, a couple of injuries, a couple of niggling issues that some of the players had. Giroud wasn't going to get the opportunity to be involved due to some muscular issues. So I, I really actually don't think this was much of any surprise. No, probably not. I'm just laughing at the Palace official lineup on the Premier League website that had them as a 4-4-2. I don't know at what point they ever were in a four four two, but hey, you know whatever. <laughs> when they when they scored the goal against us, probably. Okay, I mean even at that point, it was a midfield runner. I mean it's not like he was posted up next to Zaha. Yeah, right? Ta- Townsend mean, was kind of playing up as a second striker. All right, I'm not going to argue with you over this. All right, I just need you to agree, <laughs> nod your head. That's, that's, that's why people listen. Just pure agreement. <laughs> oh no, 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 I I hear you on that one. Obviously, I, yeah, that okay probably the one time but you can't tell me their <laughs> official lineup was a 442 no it was say you know okay one that's all i'm saying nine you cherry picked you cherry picked me, man. <laughs> i get it oh. anyways uh goal time all right we had a nice little goal fest today morata in the 32nd minute assist pedro mike uh was this your favorite of the two alvaro morata goals today uh, I, I think, you know, the second technically, I think, is a just fantastic goal. But to me, is that this, technically considered a fantastic goal. Technically. No, no, I think the first one, I, I really liked it because he he actually pulled out a bit of uh, Olivier Giroud. You know, he stands up tall, takes some contact, kind of falls back and acro- acrobatically knocks it into the net, you know, as he's falling away. So, um, you know, right foot, left foot, Murata scores with both today, right? Loved it. Loved all about it. Then, unfortunately, Dan, 53rd minute, uh, the one moment in the game that Palace were in a 4-4-2, uh, Anders Townsend assist MacArthur. Yeah, you know, you saw Murata get dispossessed and uh, very quickly Palace, you know, situate the ball through midfield. To, uh, there's really just no way closing down. And, you know, the ball's getting moved forward. Conte had an opportunity. Luis really gets played out of position and is kind of, you know, trying to look at making sure the ball doesn't get past him. But at the same point, Townsend is is making some some space right behind him. You know, Alonso's got his man marked to the right. Uh, Aspilicueta, you know, ends up getting, you know, kind of trying to close in a little bit. But there's just not, not enough space, not enough time. And the ball gets, you know, stroke cleanly past Kepa. And, you know, we, we think we have a game on then. And thankfully, that was not the way the rest of the game progressed. Absolutely not. 65th minute, the second for Alvaro Morata. This time, assist Ed Nazar. Bit of a fluke goal, if you think about it. I mean, Eden's not even that great of a free kick taker. 
Um, if you don't believe me, you're just biased, but that's okay. There's no nothing wrong supporting Edin. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That was not a fluke. So what, what I will say in defense of the Belgian wizard uh, No, no, no. Is, the fact that no one touched it. Well, okay. So the, the it was not a fluke. It was a bad set-piece design or defense right. by Crystal Palace. Nobody marked Alvaro Ramonta on the back, which is absolutely insane. Like, they looked at him, they saw him, and then they continued to just focus on keeping the line and, you know, Rudiger obviously was there, kind of, you know, bigger body. So he's kind of taking up some attention. And then no one goes back to really try to claim the ball that bounces across. And Murata just takes it on his chest and kicks it in on a, a pretty sharp angle. So, I mean, I, I think actually it comes down to Crystal Palace just being extremely poor versus, you know, a, a, a luck element. Yeah, I'm not... Not saying that, but come on, nobody touched it. Like that's fluky. I'm not saying it wasn't good, but yeah, it was the. F- it's just weird that it ended up like getting to Murata wide open <laughs> inside the six, and it put it on a platter, and he smashed it home. Is a great left footed volley. I think the credit has to go to Rudiger. You know, he did a great job of pulling both both defenders to him, and I, I think, you know. For once, Cesar put in a ball that kind of, you know, it's one of those ones that you hate in which the keeper can't figure out, does he go out for it? You know, he kind of stays rooted because it's, you know, is it going near post? Do I stay? Do I come out? And, you know, single bounce and credit to Murata for just smashing it with his left foot because I think that's what really caught the keeper unaware. Yeah, it's a teasing cross. It, it was. And, you know, also you could also say that Hazard putting in a, a great cross, Dan, is fluky in itself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I think you're really trying to take away credit from Ed Nazard, who did get the official assist on this. Correct. So, you know what? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with the FPL stats. This didn't assist. So, screw it. Never said it wasn't. All right. 70th minute. Pedrito assist everyone? Question mark. Even though technically it was Alonzo. But my man, uh, Dan, it was a fantastic build up and finish. Oh, yeah. That, w- that was great. You know, it kind of kicks it around back to. Pedro claims on the right-hand side of the pitch, right? So he claims it. It goes you know, back to Jorginho. It goes to Kovacic. Kovacic up to Alonso. Alonso kicks it back across the box. It was really kind of this dinky pass, too. And you know, Hazard has the right element of mind to kind of dummy, pulls up for a second, lets it slide past him. Pedro pops in, and, you know, what really has happened is no one's kind of watching Pedro run in. I think uh, Juan Basaka is the only person who catches Pedro making into the box, and he isn't quick enough to close him down, and, you know, Hennessy has another ball, you know, slot by him. It was great. It was a really great ball. Another shout-out to Juan Basaka, just for your last name. I, I will probably go buy you an ultimate team tonight, not use you, but just have you in my club because of that. Yeah, he he's you know out of a, there's only like one or two players like Zaha, I think Juan Basaka, who if Palace continue this form and if Palace end up getting relegated, which could happen, uh, would need to stay in the Premier League. This is this is not a great team, but he is a, you know a really good uh, right back. You know who's not great? Chiku Kuyate, uh, <laughs> central midfielder that can't pass. Just throwing that out there. Athletic beast though can break up anything. All right, well, speaking of that, first question actually coming to you, Mike, is that uh, I felt like Palace came out today with the strategy 
of breaking up the midfield, essentially fouling or hitting anyone and everyone that came in there. And it forced Chelsea to play out wide on the wings. What do you think about uh, kind of that strategy? Obviously, we know uh, United have man-marked Jorginho specifically. Uh, Nick in our group text was talking about how Newcastle did the opposite. They squeezed our wings and forced everything to the middle. Uh, so we've seen a couple different looks. But now, uh, what did you think of, I guess, Chelsea's adaptation of really being uncomfortable playing out on the wings without that kind of central engine of those three being able to get a lot of touches on the ball. You know, I, I think it's, I think Palace had a great plan. Um, they, to me, they watched uh, what, what Darby did and just pulled a page out of that book and just decided to kind of run through um, anyone in midfield anytime they touched the ball, kind of just to wear us down and, and bully us and beat us up a little bit. Um, I think kind of that's what you're what you have to do to try and either you know man mark you know Jorginho to break things up there, which I, I believe they did a pretty good job at as well, um, but also just kind of create havoc. But I don't think it's a hundred percent fair to th- I, you know I'm trying to figure out like how much was effort and game plan on their part and how much was it that you know we were missing one to two of our you know starters from the the initial lineup right like you know they didn't have they you know had they done this against us the whole match with hazard so i mean i think the you know obviously missing hazard changes the complexion of the game are you saying because we were missing Giroud because he was playing or are you talking about like the kovacic barkley kind of swap that's been occurring i'm thinking more kovacic i think uh had he been playing um alongside Jorginho, I think it would have been harder to keep, to create that pressure. I think we would have held on to the ball just a little bit better, where as Barkley is going to push forward and give you that offensive look, I think if you want us to keep maintain that possession, I think you want Mateo, you know. Yeah, I, I think, and you saw it when he came into the game, that Jorginho actually started getting a lot more freedom, which is why he was able to be crucial in the buildup to Pedro's goal uh, he got a little more space to kind of maneuver the ball around wasn't getting kind of completely closed down uh Kodricic has a more natural ability to you know dispossess and win the ball back than Ross Barkley does and also maintain possession of the ball yeah. and I think this game particularly the way that they were attacking Jorginho you know you knew the ball you know the ball was going to be turned over multiple times and you know, it really, you know, when Conte gets so far forward advanced in the kind of attacking phase of the game, and you have Ross, who's also moving forward, it really kind of left Jorginho almost on an island. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying Jorginho needs to be protected, but if we're trying to maintain and recycle possession, I think that's where, you know, you're absolutely right. Like Kovacic starting that game would have given it a different level of ability to kind of more quickly break up what the Palace plan was, which was to basically boss us in the midfield the way that we've kind of bossed through other pop position this uh this year yeah it's tough because you know from a physicality perspective you would you kind of want barkley in that matchup but at the same time uh you know holding on to that possession we, we kind of did a poor job in that initial onset do you do you guys think that Maurizio is doing a good job to combat these negative tactics this season i mean do you think that I don't think he really changes much, right? I think that, you know, we play 4-3-3, high possession. I didn't think we threw in a lot of crosses today. And by a lot, I mean essentially more than what we have ever seen kind of in the past. Um, But I guess, like, do you guys think that Maurizio is doing a good job of kind of tactically preparing his team to take on uh, these lower table teams that are, you know, playing a block 9 or block 10? Or, you know, when I say lower table, I also mean United. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> they played. Defensive. Oh, that's not fair, Brandon. That's not uh, just fair. in the defensive approach. Yeah, no, okay. So I, I will say I think that this game plan involved a little bit more focus on trying to you know get the ball out to the wings because the midfield was struggling. Uh, but if you look at what was happening on the right wing, which was the lack of synergy between Aspilicueta and Conte, who even though they did work together to put together the initial movement to Pedro when he assisted on Rata's first goal, I don't necessarily, I think they actually were slowing the attack down pretty significantly. And I think that's where you really missed Kovacic and Alonso and Hazard on the left because you know they, they were not interchanging as quickly, which wasn't allowing us to get enough separation, get when we had the ball, kind of move it as quickly as we were used to or have seen so far this season. And that's where, Mike, I think we were really missing having Hazard and Kovacic on the pitch initially. It was like how quickly we cycle through that ball and get it to the next person, the next person, because Aspi and Conte were both moving the ball exceptionally slow, uh, which really caused a couple of the attacks to really just languish and, and kind of move into nothing in the final third. Yeah, I, I have to agree. But, you know, uh, as far as, you know, the, that base question of, of preparation for these lower tier teams, um, I think the answer has to be yes, because in situations that we had last, you know, you know, last go around, when we didn't have Hazard on the pitch, we lost those matches. You know, you look at Burnley, you look at certain other matches, and I think what we did was we did a decent job of hanging in long enough to then allow that, you know, the depth of our bench to influence the the game. You know, I, I think we had a pretty, you know, for you know, like what we were saying, you know, not really making many changes to a lineup, I still feel like we, we look differently. You know, I, I think it depends on, it's almost like how Alonzo is playing that match, how Barkley's playing that, you know, there it's that weird, like, that player's playing, but you don't know what game Alonzo's going to be playing. Is he bombing forward? Is he playing defensively? Is there some kind of a mixture within? So I think Sarr's doing a pretty, a pretty decent job. Um, you know, I... Yeah, I mean, unbeaten so far. So, I mean, yeah. you know. We, we lose this. We lose this match last, last year. Uh, you know, hands down, I, I believe that we don't come back and score two consecutive goals. We either draw or, you know, they get some lucky something, you know, towards the end of the match. I, I, well, I mean, P- Palace has been, uh, you know, Palace and Newcastle were bogey teams last season. And while, so yeah. if you're saying that, you know, we are, you know have improved or want to look for milestones to say that we're playing differently and that this – style of football the Sarimicio Isamo is taking hold uh this is another fine example of that yeah for sure yeah I mean it's been great like you said we've ran into quite a few different challenges uh that have presented themselves as a very uh resounding defense and so far hey still undefeated and in second in the league love 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 that uh, Dan, uh, sorry, had some very open and honest quotes this week. Firstly, stating he wants the defense to be better. And secondly, that, well, literally Drinkwater and Moses don't have a spot in his team purely because of their play style, not because of their quality. So touching on the defensive point first, uh, surely the midweek performance of Cahill and Christensen did not give him any headaches over who to choose as center backs. And our friend Naz uh, retweeted this tweet from at NickMiller79 saying, not saying David Luiz is laid back, but he just gave a thumbs up to a fan while taking a throw. Um, 
what I guess, what do you think about the defensive unit right now, the fourth, the back? Um, and then I kind of want to talk about David Luiz a little bit too. So I think it's it's worth probably just going down, you know, the you know from from left to right. So you know, I think Alonso continues to prove that he's in my mind just a, a step beyond Emerson in terms of kind of complete package uh i think you know what he adds from the the attacking phase of the game simply today you know he found himself in a couple couple areas where he maybe had an opportunity to do a little better if he had gotten some service and you know interchanges well with hazard which is is a positive um so i think there's there's no selection issue there sorry clearly values him and there, there's really not you know not any type of issue there i think um rudiger is you know i think the has been the best center back that we've had this season uh very great you know one of the fastest players in the premier league you know and just kind of sheer speed over you know uh distance um you know then i think it becomes a rotational issue right like you you know louise has definitely shown that he has been stronger and more consistent across a series of games than i think christensen has uh, who had a pretty, you know, average to mediocre showing in midweek. And then Aspilicueta is going to be locked in until there's true competition behind him because Apacosta really is not that. And, you know, I think that, you know, Gary Cahill this you know, week being kind of named the you know club captain, Aspilicueta gets to be the vice captain, which means that he's essentially the captain because Gary Cahill's not starting Premier League matches for us outside of a you know an injury scare to either Rudiger or to David Luiz. Uh, I, I think it's it's set. Like I don't think there's any debate about who the best four is. I think really the issue is just the lack of uh, consistent you know, determination and engagement with the game that people see in David Luiz right now, Mike, that just drives them absolutely up a wall. The, the, you know, the, the, the chill he has sometimes when he's getting closed down uh, by someone is just a little, a little too chill for me. Could I say something ridiculous? Do it. If you had another center back that was just a complete stud, maybe Sunday in January or whatever. I mean, David Luiz would be the first one out before Rudiger, right? If for whatever reason, uh, I think so. Yes, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I think this is. I think we're looking at two ends of the spectrum when you're when you're looking at center backs between a Gary Cahill and a, and a David Luiz, right? You have a Cahill who will back into his own net as he's trying to to deal with players coming in and give them way too much room to shoot, and then some or a, a bad two footed tackle, and then you have Luiz who is just barreling forward and trying to break things up and when he does not get there you know you've got an open man behind you um today's defensive performance was really weird to me because there were times where you know the units were they were standing on their heads i mean there's that one one play i remember in which like rudiger did this beautiful diving slide to cut down a shot which pushed the player i think it was townsend pushed him further to the left and you know dave did the same thing and ended up blocking the shot and then there's other times like the you know with townsend's goal in which i think i think between townsend's goal and Murata's second goal um the, t- the defenses turned off because they were look like our defense was looking for where Zaha was, and they didn't they didn't give a crap who had the ball at the moment. And I think you know Palace was looking for everyone but Morata. But um, you know, I just I don't think the midfield's been helping the way they should. I think 
way too often you're seeing too many runners coming, you know, descending on the defense. And especially, I think, between Darby and today, you're, I think you're seeing a lot of um, attacking straight up the middle, which is, which is tough because you can't push them wide. It, it really gives the players a decent shot, to, you know, to pick either side of the goal. But I don't know. It's... To me, you know, I guess my question to you, Brandon, would be, does wearing the captain's armband mean you are unable to be subbed off? Because I think... No. Because to me in Derby, if if one of the center backs needed to come out, I thought it, it should have been Cahill. And today, if you were going to make a defensive substitution, I thought that Espilicueta should have been pulled. But, you know, that's that's my my opinion on that. Yeah, I mean, he didn't he didn't struggle terribly against Zaha. I actually think he he usually did. You know, Zaha did not get a lot of opportunity to you know unfurl his sails, so to speak, and charge full speed at our defense. Um, I think what Aspilicueta struggled with was the interchange and the overlap with Conte, and you know, really, there any type of attack that was coming out of the right hand side. Again, the asterisk being the one cross that went into the box that worked well for um Getty to Pedro which was Maranta's goal the first one um yeah I I just I don't I, I felt like this was one of the, the times where we're kind of seeing where the struggle is but you know we, we've again you know Aspilicueta has proved he could play left back he play right back he could play center back and multiple different types of systems and with different assignments so yeah i think there's some level again where this is still a new process we're we're learning we're educating we're having to you know become better in the ability to play this type of football and you know i just i wouldn't write him off yet i mean it's, it's still not where my you know primary or you know biggest concern is when it comes to you know I think our team, you know, I think, you know, if you look at what happened, I think at city today, you know, city play Southampton win six, one, like that's what we should be able to do to these type of teams. We should be able to steamroll them with scoring. And I think that's where I would like to see again, another goal scorer. Um, and that be easier for us, not have to bring on, you know, hazard to unlock the next two goals. Yeah. You know, if, if I could just say one more thing about Dave, I don't think that Dave had a terrible game. Uh, and I, I don't think he was particularly great against Darby either. To me, I feel it, I'm questioning a little bit of his his decision making. And and I think you know I, I love your opinions on this. I think he is trying way too hard to make things happen. I think he's trying to take something all all on himself to like make something happen at this point. And he he was forcing passes. You know, he would he'd win a ball back and then would you know make two or three bad passes and and just couldn't do those little things so i'm wondering if it's just a bit of a mental block that he's dealing with with and just like needing to maybe take some of that relaxation from louise and have him you know get a little bit more serious and you know balance each other out so well my problem though is that city were up at least two nothing and they gave up a soft penalty which in that situation as a player you go meh that was a fluke we're still destroying these kids Chelsea's tied it at 1-1 and it was an open play it gave Palace belief and I think that if it were a different team kind of like a United right you give them one it bred confidence they went and got a second and all of a sudden we're chasing the game I think to me 
um, the, these one-off goals that we've been starting to give up a little bit, which by the way, we should go back and look at Mike's little, uh, shout out to Murata's goals race. That actually might be a little more intriguing all of a sudden. <laughs> so. Uh, so someone actually did bring it up on Twitter too. They, they mentioned us uh, today. Ooh. I think it's like six to seven now. Nice. Um, I'm interested. But I think they were. I think they were counting all goals. I think we we did say Premier League only, um, which was our caveat. So um, so that put him at five that, goals. Yeah, that would put him at five goals. Um, which I don't know if all of Kepa's clean sheets have been Premier League mm, based. I don't know, but either way, uh, kind of going back to my point is just that, like, it's it's a soft goal to give up. Thankfully, it was a soft team to give it up against and didn't punish us. Um, and I think bringing on Ed Nazard uh, is a good thing because the more minutes he gets, just the better, right? Like he's not a guy who needs to be rested. He's a guy who needs to play as much as he can. And so, um, you know, I think being in the Europa League helps us because no one's really going to punish us there um, until we get to like the very, very end potentially. So to me, it's just more of like a systematic thing and kind of like our approach to the game is we know we can go score goals, uh, but we need to keep those clean sheets. Or if you do give one up, we better be two, three goals up before that uh, in my mind. Because I think that the 1-1 equalizer goal, uh, that just gives the other team more confidence, more momentum, more energy, when reality is we don't want that to be happening. So I think that overall, uh, the defense is doing well. I definitely don't think we have a lot of depth in defense, even though Zappacosta looked pretty good against Darby County. It's Darby County, so you have yeah. to kind of take it for what it is, um, and so you'll you'll see this back for all season uh, unless something um, you know pretty serious happens to shake it up. But we'll we'll see. I mean, look, Maurizio said he wants a better defense. He, I'm sure he will go and get you know teach coach himself a better defense, and then you know transitioning it to the next one. Can we can we pour one out for a homies drink water and Moses? I mean, brutal for Maurizio. He just came honest, out. honestly. It, you know, I, I mean, it's it's refreshing. It's, it's refreshing, brutal, nonetheless. Uh, do you, do you, I would imagine, though. I would imagine, though, that if you're talking about, you know, these are players that are going to need to move on from Chelsea, that are going to need to be, you know, sold, and a, a deal is going to be negotiated. You probably don't want someone coming out saying, "Yeah, we're not going to." They're not going to play here. They're 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 not at the level that we need them to be. They're not going to, you know, you're, you're really damaging the value of the uh, just lost the commodity you're looking to sell. Yeah, uh, though I, I think the lack of game time for both of them have probably done that in already. So uh, no, but I think it was refreshing to hear. Uh, it's good to know that Callum Hudson Odoi has uh, at least made it above Moses in the power rankings for wingers in our uh, attacking players. So that was good. Yeah. Yet Moses has still played. That was interesting. So Mike, I mean, sorry, not only said, Hey, they're not my plans. He goes, let me show you why. Here is a pie chart of <laughs> skills and attributes that I want. No, no, no. He said, drink water can't play in a three-man midfield, which is, I think is pretty interesting. I'm assuming that means he's not box-to-box because you know he's not going to play Jorginho's role. And he said, Moses is literally a wingback. He is not a winger or an attacker, and he's not a fullback. Yeah, I mean... That's it's rough, but again, I, I'm kind of I'm 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 sitting there with Dan. I think that I would much rather have a coach come out and say, "Look, these these players are you know they're square pieces for round hole." There's nothing against, especially in Moses's position, right? I think I think for Drinkwater, I think you make the argument that 
I think that's a that's kind of a tough knock on him because in my book he should be he should be able to outfight Fabregas for for a position, especially with with how little gas Sesc has in his legs at times. Um, but I, I totally get it for Moses, and you know it's kind of a nice heads up of hey maybe you want to look for something in January. Wait, wait but. Sesk is a world class passer. Was was a world class. Is was no. He still can. You mm-hmm. tell me he's lost his passing. I I think that if we looked at his statistics and a bunch of his some of his play recently, it's not. I mean, we're not looking at the fourteen fifteen Fabregas of old. I don't even think we're really looking at the sixteen seventeen Sesk. I'm not saying that he can't. He can't put a you know, he can't put one on a foot from thirty forty yards. But I'm. I don't think that he's the player that he once was. And he he did he also score in, in midweek. He though. did, um, and and I was talking shit about him. <laughs> Thirty seconds. Yeah, so so you're going to continue talking shit about him, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you know next I'm week he's going to go on. <laughs> yeah. He's going to play against Bate, and then he's going to score another goal, probably get two assists. Yeah. And, Yo, uh, Bate you know. are bad though, to be fair. Yeah, I, I hope he hears this, and I hope he proves me wrong. You know, just calls me well, out. We're blocked on Twitter already, so <laughs> whatever. Um, what I would say is, I personally, not to open uh, an argument, is that I would I would take Fabregas over Drinkwater because I think Drinkwater's he he does a job. He's a good system player, but Fabregas has more of an X factor, and that's also because we have the wealth of midfielders that we already do. Right, like Drinkwater yeah. doesn't stand out in our pool. Fabregas still has a couple of tools in his locker that could stand out for him in that sense. So, um, but anyways, uh, I don't know. I, I hear what you guys are saying. I would just say I want my manager to tell me, not the entire world. I'm sure he's told them multiple times. You know he has, I, but <laughs> but but again, I mean, give it give it to. Sorry for controlling the narrative, right? Uh, sure, all right. I mean, that's fair. I'm interested to hear what people else think. Um, you know, like I said, it, you know, he came out and said what he had to say. Uh, he gave us his his reasoning why. You know, I, I Nizar. Uh, and Liam and Bull talked to us about how refreshingly open and honest Maurizio is. You ask him a question, he gives you an answer. It's as simple as that uh, for the most part. And that is what the dude did. So uh, we will definitely have some shakeup in January. You can uh, you can guarantee that at this point. For sure. And, and, and let me clarify my shit talking about Fabregas. You hate Yeah, him. you but you better uh, before people yeah. get on you about it. <laughs> I don't think he can run a three man midfield. I think that with the right partner in a four man midfield, I think he can still do it. But I but I think what we saw in the Derby match is that teams will attack directly down the middle and he just his legs aren't there, he can't cover it, and he kinda ends up running around chasing the ball and it just leaves huge gaps. So that said, I think if he doesn't have to worry about filling that metal in. I think he can still do the job and kind of, at times, you know, do a little bit better. I think than Jorginho, which is probably blasphemy in itself. But I think so. So rarely we see Jorginho really doing that direct vertical ball. I would I would love to see him do occasionally what Fabregas does is you know put one into, up over the top of the defense. You know, you know spread it He's wide. He's been starting to. He has. He's. I, yeah, I would agree. He who he chipped someone in today, and he had a beautiful lob to someone. It else. was uh, it was Morata, yeah. and uh, he was he was just offside. Um, yeah. But I agree, Mike. He definitely needed that. You know, add that element. Otherwise, he was too predictable with like his 
quick, um, you know, side to side or even four diagonal passes. But you just knew that he essentially had this internal clock, like, all right, it's been a second and a half. Get it off your foot. Um, But it's been great. Maybe Fabregas has taught him something, huh? What do you think? Hey, Brandon, I I think, you know, you you have a point here for question three, which is about Fabregas and Jorginho. But I think we should scrap that and, uh, yeah, spend some time talking about Morata because we we haven't built that in. And I think this was – you know, one of his best performances in a really long time, a complete performance outside of a very cheeky attempt at getting his hat trick. But uh, I think he he's looking he's looking good and getting praise from the coach. I think I'm excited. You must have missed uh, Maurizio's quotes that came out at midnight calling him fragile. You know, it, it's it's all about player personnel and player management. You know, you can't get all praise. Um, you know, but you also can't get uh, all condemnation. And Mauricio walks that fine line of giving a little bit of public motivation and, uh, you know, also a little bit of an attaboy. Yeah. So Mauricio's quote, he has, um, or this is from Nizar. So Naz says, sorry, Amarata says he's fragile. Quote, he has to play for his teammates without thinking of the goal. The goal is the consequence of the performance. He is a little bit fragile from the mental point of view, but he's very young. I think he can improve very fast. End quote. So that's right. It's it's the happy sandwich. You, you start with something nice, then you, then you lay into him, and then you bring it back something nice. You know? Yeah. I, I want to know what kind of exorcism we performed on him to uh, expel the demons that have been haunting him because. He looked like a different player today. Not not because he was scoring goals, but but his reactions to what was happening. If he would go down, he was up quickly. He was chasing the ball down, you know, with speed I've never seen him do. And I think the the thing that impressed me the most was I don't know if you guys remember maybe seventieth plus minute. He tracked a ball back almost to the eighteen yard box and won it back. You know, we when when have we seen him do that? I mean, that's these are the kind of things that Giroud did to endear himself to us. And, and even in a couple of his misses, you saw him smiling and laughing. And, you know, and that's that confidence of somebody who knows, like, oh, that's my bad. You know, but no big deal. It's not like the end of the world because I missed this one opportunity and I just have so much shit hanging on top of me that I just can't deal with the pressure. So. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how we how we go forward with him. All right, I I, I, I think, but but it's exciting, and it also the Mauricio quote, which we didn't cover, was that saying that he improved in the last month, improved confidence and personality. I think also has improved from a technical point of view. And now he's able to play more with the team. He has great physical and technical potential. He also talked about how Drabo was one of the best in the world for fifteen years. Alvaro is very fast, not in the first few steps, but if he runs for 40 meters, he is strong. Not like Drabo, uh, he is a bit much, but he has potential. Um, which again, you know, he, he's being, I think, managed extremely well right now, which I don't think he was, uh, when he first came here, uh, when he had that bad run of form. And I think you're seeing the confidence of Mauricio play into Murata, who looked like he was having fun and you could see how excited, you know, Hazard was for Murata when he scored that goal and, you know, how excited the team would have been if he had gotten that hat trick. So I, I think this is all coming up really well for him. You know, level on goals in, in the Premier League with, you know, Salah, more goals than Firmino, more goals than Lukaku. Like, not to be, you know, overly, you know, hyperbolic in terms of the praise and how we're putting him up, but he is on a very good trajectory right now because he has tied five goals to five Kepa clean sheets in the Premier League this season. Very nice. He is doing the business right now. 
Uh, part of the reason I want to talk about it too much, Dan, is because if you make a big deal about it, he's fragile. <laughs> I want this to be normal. This should yeah, be the expectation. Not, he's not fine China, man. You know, he's, he's, is, he, you know, is he not? He's not. He is not fine China. Um, you know, so I, I think... I think ultimately at the end of the day, we should be excited. Like you, you still need another top tier striker. Like, you know, you, you look at what, you know, you can swap between when it comes to Jesus and, uh, you know, Sergio Aguero, when it uh, comes to, you know, Man City. I mean, if Firmino was scoring as many goals as, you know, our, our wonderkind, uh, Murata, you could say the Sala and Firmino partnership, but like you, you want, you know, that level of it. And like right now that, that happens to be Hazard and Murata kind of being the two primary goal scorers, uh, for the team here, Pedro just behind them now at, uh, four for the Premier League season. So, I mean, it's good. You're, you're starting to see goals coming in from different places and, you know, that, that is a positive thing, you know, that now that, uh, you know, the sorry ball is starting to produce goals and, you know, we have, you know, better, you know, better goal difference than, you know, Liverpool. So, you know, and they're supposed to have one of the best attacks of the Premier League because it was their season, Mike, their season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking of better goal differentials, um, have you seen the difference between ours and a, a Mr. Jose Mourinho? I believe it's 17, but uh, I could be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I think the whole fragile thing, it to me, it's almost a bit of a rope a dope. You know, Sari's almost talking about the past because we're not watching a fragile player right now. We're watching a player who has, you know, five goals and seven starts and is scoring, you know, back to back games for the first time, I think, since September 2017. So it's been a while since he's doing this. I think that Murata can be at times a little mentally fragile. Um, I think we've seen defenders, you know, mess up his game by kicking him in the shins and throwing some elbows and whatnot. But I think he is a player reborn. And I think hopefully, you know, we're going to see that continue, um, even though we do need a new striker in January. And I think my question to you guys is how much of a difference are we seeing, you know, in today's match with, with the aerial balls being whipped in? to to how Murad is playing like are we doing a better job of of breaking down teams that are kind of you know putting eight nine ten behind the ball and you know are we trying to get back to some of the you know some of the goals that Murad had early on at the beginning of his career with us Mike, I literally asked that in the first question, man. You're killing Did you? me, Smalls. I'm sorry. We talked about the eight nine in the back. Oh, uh, whatever. No. <laughs> no, but seriously, I think I don't think I don't think Maurizio Sarri uh, wants to whip in crosses. Just judging based on his his Short triangles passes on the ground, his triangles Short of possession on the ground. Yeah, but they did it today, right? So I, you could be right. Maybe they did it to jumpstart him. If I were a cynic or a pessimist, maybe I would say that. Murata's coming good because he Giroud's hurt, so he know there's less pressure on him. I also think that if you were to buy another striker in January, he's done. I think he isn't a striker who is looking for a fight internally amongst his team. <sighs> That's tough because what what do we do in January then? You know, we <sighs> you do what's best for the team, and that's Agreed. where they have to decide. Does Sari say, "Hey, I've seen enough. I think we should protect him." and and like and and prop him up and help him or he says i haven't seen enough i need i need something different yeah i don't know we'll have to see what happens i mean there's still plenty of time for him to come good there's a ton of matches obviously drew's been in some training but he has this muscular problem look i 
I, I would say that I want nothing more than for Alvaro Morata to come good. Uh, I want him to justify his price tag and just be banging him in. Um, and in the post-match press conference, when he got the Man of the Match award, he was talking to the BBC or Sky. I think it was Sky, actually. And, it, and he actually laid out. He goes, yeah, he goes, uh, I had my injury last season. And he goes, and I was dealing with some other stuff. And I think that that's something that a lot of us forget is we have no idea what other stuff might be going on in their lives. Obviously, Alice was pregnant. Um, I wonder if there were maybe complications or a health scare. I mean, there could be a, a million amount of things, maybe a family member that wasn't doing well. Well, he had the well, loss my, of his friend. Well, okay. So, like I said, there, there's there's a lot of things that don't always make it into uh, mainstream media. We just kind of take the on pitch in isolation. So I would just say that, uh, you know, with that being said, uh, Alvaro seems to be fit. He seems to be sharp. A couple lazy offsides that really annoy me that he should have known where he was uh, a bit better. But overall, um, Dan, as you as you bring it out of us, a, a really strong performance. I think that's a good way to put it. It's a strong performance by Alvaro Morata. And hopefully he can absolutely continue this form. If he plays again against Bate, uh, I mean, he should have no problem uh, you know, bagging a couple more in that match, but we'll, we'll have to see. So anything else in entirety of that match that we maybe missed? You guys want to touch on any additional thoughts or comments? I Dan? Got, oh, oh, Mike, go I for it. One. Lead it off. Soft goals. Um, do you think Kepa could have done better on the Townsend goal? It was smashed at far post. I know. I mean, I know it, it just, <laughs> so my answer is no. <laughs> I, I, I think there's a lot of blame. I think there's a lot of blame. I don't think Conte did what he should have done. I think Rudiger, like Conte, made a poor, like half-ass challenge to try and take the ball away, let the man run by him. You know, Rudiger let the ball kind of go past him and not do anything. I felt like maybe, maybe the angle could have been cut a little bit better. But I, I think it's one of those things in which when your defense opens up and allows someone to run straight through the middle, you know, you're just kind of hoping that they kick the ball at you, right? I mean, so the hard part of that is um, I'm not great at geometry, but I know enough about angle play and goalkeeping and, and just the basics of it where he's standing. He has to get from standing straight up to down all the way to the ground. And then as, you know, a good four yards to his right at a minimum in, you know, the time it takes the ball to leave Townsend's foot and get to him. So I would just say that the low to the corner balls are the hardest to save because you have to go from standing to literally on the ground and laterally before the pace of the ball gets past you. So um, maybe his angle play could have been good, but honestly, I mean, he buried it side netting far post uh, right on the ground. Uh, it, it was a it was a great shot. It's one of the toughest to save um, as goalkeepers, but I also haven't looked at a lot of replays, so you might see something that uh, that I haven't seen. Yep. Let's talk about those other mistakes before it got to him, huh? Shall we? Huh? Goalkeeper's genius? <laughs> <laughs> wow, I had to bust the card out. Dan, All what right. about you? Anything else you want to circle back to? No, just, uh, you know, good to see the Spanish Armada returning and uh, firing on all cylinders. That was uh, that was nice to see. All right, we'll run it through your man of the match poll. It didn't go over well if we had to talk about it. It went over fine. Did you read I mean, the it, replies? I did, I did. All right, so man of the match poll... <laughs> The Spanish Armada, so Alonso, Morata, and Pedro all had all featured, along with first half Louise, who was much better than second half Louise. Eighty-seven percent Morata, ten percent to Pedro, two percent to Alonso. Uh, people wondering why Alonso, really good interchange on left hand side, good defensively, um, and, and then also assisted. You know, so that was great. Um, 
have a really hard time giving it to you know, putting Hazard in that poll. You know, it was so so late in the game. Um, and then uh, yeah, first half Louise was great. He made great clearances. Uh, you know, second half Louise was not as great. So I, <laughs> I couldn't put him in there for the That's, entire time. But that like. <laughs> It's a 90-minute game. Like, you have to take it in totality. That was such a cop-out. If nothing Look, else, yeah, you should have put that, 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 Fabregas or Kepa just because they no. were Spanish and just kept it totally biased. <laughs> you you uh, could have gone first half Louise, second half Hazard, right? Oh, yeah, I could have. That combined effort between the two of them. No, no. All of a sudden, we've just, like, ruined any integrity in these man the match polls and we Frankenstein options together. Let me say this. stand for it. I don't think that 10% is fair for Pedro. I mean, he had the key assist. It should be higher. Key assist in the opening goal and then a pivotal, you know, he closed out the game. You know, once we went up, you know, I feel like you could see the air get knocked out of Crystal Palace when – Hazard came on and we scored. You know, we go up a, a goal, but that that third goal was so important. So I think Pedro, he did a hell of a he had a hell of a match, way better than ten percent. He hit the shot that went off the crossbar that William buried that wasn't offsides. Uh, so amen. that could have changed a lot of things. Yes. All right. Well, besides that that uh, questionable man of the match poll, the table as it stands, uh, everyone except Fulham and Huddersfield. Going to be a banger of a match on Monday, number 20 versus 19. Um, <laughs> minus that match, which has no effect on the rest of the table. <laughs> uh, Man City in first on 29 points. Chelsea jumping Liverpool into second on 27 points with a plus 19 goal difference. Liverpool, the most attacking, hard rock whatever you want to name it, Klopp style is in third on 27 points with a plus 16 goal difference. Spurs somehow jumping Arsenal up to fourth on 24 points. Arsenal with the draw, uh, probably a pretty good draw, I'd say, for them at Liverpool. Uh, it has them in fifth on 23 points. Bournemouth in sixth, 20 points. United, they did squeak out a late late win against them actually which jumped them uh to seventh also on 20 points so mike you were asking about goal difference man united plus one goal difference they've mm-hmm. given up 18 goals with the best goalkeeper in the league so there's that top three in the world How does uh, chelsea have a job? chelsea have plus 19 so it's an 18 goal difference there i would just like to point out and i dug in on liverpool uh chelsea are quietly in second i mean after what they did last season um, you know, you know, Salah having an unreal season, um, buying an expensive goalkeeper, uh, buying Van Dyke for crazy money. It, you know, I guess I'm just surprised they aren't doing better than they are by the their own standards they set. Chelsea are punching above their weight right now. Manager came in two weeks before the season. Uh, obviously, we signed Kepa. But other than Jorginho, Kovacic is alone. You pretty much have the same team, right? I mean, Liverpool, I, I don't know. I, the, the way midfield. I get at it is... It's the midfield. I, I mean, you, you have right. Jordan Henderson and, and Milner against a, you know a Kovacic and a Jorginho. I mean, there's a, a, whoa, a whoa, world whoa. of difference between... Nabi Keita? Yeah. Okay. Who can't uh, keep his hamstring. Wijnaldum? But my my point is, I'm just saying, like they on paper they've got a good midfielder. They're just I'm 
I'm I'm just gloating that Chelsea are doing so well, mainly because my two best friends are <laughs> Liverpool fans and we're in a group chat and I just have to hear their nonsense all the time. And I'm and just, they probably listen to this show and they're probably gonna hear Brandon complaining <laughs> about them and I wish you know, I wish. But anyways, I'm just super proud of what Chelsea's done and Maurizio's done. Uh I think Sky again asked him at the end of the match, um, you know, uh, are you surprised that your team's doing as well as they have? And he was like, it's all down to the players. Like, I have amazing players. They're so technical. And I was kind of thinking about that. It's like, you know what? Chelsea were highly technical. Antonio Conte wanted big, strong, fast players. We weren't all of that. We were some of it. And then Maurizio came and was like, no, no, no. I just want people who are great on the ball. And Chelsea actually did have an abundance of technical players. And it has played right into his hand. And Again, I don't know who to give credit for or if it was blind luck on that sense, but, um, you know, the board, they, I mean, they made a great appointment with Maurizio, and I hope he can continue this fine, fine run because I think that Chelsea will only continue to get much, much, much better under him. And if we're already competing at this level with this, like this little of experience, I mean, I think it could be a really, really fun ride this season, but expect a reality check to come at some point. We can't, um, you know, this unbeaten run, which is amazing, but like it, there's a banana peel along the way. There always is. And um, we'll kind of see how it goes from here. But it's been great, huh? Invincibles, too. Enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. And no, just to, to enjoy what it is right now. <laughs> exactly. Because, they, it, you know, it will never, you know, it it won't you know it doesn't happen in repetition and, and things are going to happen so enjoy this run as it stands and then know that you know I, I think the the big thing to me before we kind of wrap up is that you know this team I think one of the reasons why they're able to punch above that their weight is there are winners in this team players that have either won the Premier League before um, have potentially won the you know, Champions League have won um, you know European competitions have won La Liga. Um, you know, so there's a mentality and a mental ability to go in and grind out results. You know, from a paper to paper talent perspective against Manchester City or you know some you know the other best sides in the world. You know, we still I think are deficient. Um, you know, maybe not on level one across a couple positions, but in level two or level three, and that it's really hard sometimes to replace that mentality piece. You know, you could buy a lot of really talented players. Um, you can't necessarily teach someone how to be a winner. They have to know, they have to do that and know how to do that again and again and again and again. And that's repetition. That's hard work. That's commitment. Uh, and you're seeing that come to fruition on the pitch every Thursday, every Sunday, uh, because that's our rotation right now is Thursdays and Sundays. And it's really joyous to see after, what we had to witness last year. So enjoy this for what it is. And when it ends, you know, we'll trust in the fact that these are winners and we have a coach who um, believes in this team and is coaching them appropriately. And we'll go back and start a new run. Yeah. I think that another huge part of though, Dan too, is the the amount of failure that they had last season. Uh, Losing to Palace late in the season, uh, just not putting up a fight against Spurs at home. I mean, I think that there's a lot of, uh, leftover kind of, I would say like hurt pride 
in the team that they are here to to kind of fix and turn around and make right, which is which is helpful, which is is good. But I mean, come on, this team should not be in Europa League, but they have to earn that right because nothing is given when it comes to titles, trophies, or playing the best competitions in the world. So uh, it's amazing. It's fantastic. We hope you guys are loving it just as much as we are. It's nice being quietly in second place. Uh, it's nice having the NBC staff uh, will palace to come back and tie and and want you know be very biased on the broadcast of hoping that you know chelsea get knocked off their their peg uh and it's not happening it has been great so so good to see uh, i always love the stat the number of goals chelsea have scored in the last 10 minutes it is fantastic and that just goes to that resiliency and determination dan talked about uh, and that comes from Maurizio. he does not give up on those players throughout the 90 minutes uh and and it works and it is very successful so anyways that's going to wrap us up for this episode. Uh, there is a part two coming at you, so uh, be on the look for that if you haven't already seen it. Um, and again, just thank you. Thank you for being a listener. If you would, share it with someone else in your life that needs Chelsea uh, and use us as a way of bringing them to the bright side. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.